Oh my God, you guys, this episode is going to be so fetch. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Oof, how rude. to the Cinema Psych Podcast, podcast where psychology meets film. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swan. I'm trying a new format for this show, this episode. I hope you like it. As you might have heard, today's show is on the classic comedy Mean Girls. There's plenty of psychology and some silliness to come. Now, before we meet our guest host and discuss the film... I have some bit of news. You know, it's always awkward to ask for contributions and donations, but I would love to keep making this podcast. So to that end, I've created two places that will accept any help that you can give. On our website, cinemapsychpod.swanpsych.com, you can find links to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash cinemapsychpod, or a simple paypal link on the sidebar paypal.me slash cinema psych pod i definitely appreciate all the love i really do you could possibly think of it as buying me a cup of all that millennial coffee i should be drinking or at least everyone says i'm drinking Also, be sure to like, subscribe, follow us on social media, and please rate us. Your feedback is needed. Send us an email or message us on Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. My guest host today is Olivia Espiris. Olivia recently graduated from the University of Toledo this past summer with her PhD in experimental psychology and a concentration in social psychology. Congratulations. Hooray. She's currently in her first semester as a professor of psychology in the health, wellness and behavioral sciences department at Clark University, a small liberal arts college in Dubuque, Iowa, not too far from me, which is awesome. Also, congrats. Hooray. At Clark, she teaches a variety of courses, including social psychology, pretty good for uh, our discussion today, research methods and positive psychology. Olivia, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and talk about one of my favorite movies. I am super happy to have you on um, to get us started uh, on your background that relates to Mean Girls. I think it relates to Mean Girls after reading it. Um, Could you tell us a a little bit about your research and what has focused on recently? Yeah, so my research is at the intersection of social cognition and health. Um, I'm specifically interested in how comparison processes such as comparisons with other people or with different versions of ourselves. Um, how that influences our health behaviors, and if we can kind of harness these effects to try to promote healthier decisions and behaviors. Uh, I'm also interested in how we can apply social psychology um, to create interventions in vulnerable populations. So recently I've been doing some work with criminal offenders uh, trying to promote health and treatment related outcomes. 
That's really excellent. Those are uh, much needed, especially that last part. Um, I think we could extend your research, uh, different versions of the self to our main character of of Katie. Could we not? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. so. Thanks for talking about your research. Um, but of course, this is a film podcast. So let's pivot to film. I have a couple of questions, just like I ask all my other guest hosts. What do you love about film? So my favorite thing about film, this is going to sound kind of cliche, but is just being able to apply everything I know about psychology when I'm watching films. I like to kind of analyze the characters and why people are doing what they're doing. So it's kind of both an escape from, you know, work, everyday life, but still a way to apply my biggest passion psychology to that hobby. I think we're uh, pretty much aligned in that. I, I uh, and because of that, I, I don't think I'd call it cliche because that would that would require me to uh, think that it's cliche and I don't want yeah. to. <laughs> um, so uh, you combine film and psych in your teaching, correct? Yes. Okay. So what what what's the reason behind that? What what is uh, what do you want students to take away um from you using these uh this different medium um to discuss psychology topics? Yeah, so there are two main reasons that I use film or TV shows um in my teaching. One is it just gives students this concrete example that I can talk through with them um some of the concepts we go over in class are so abstract that having that specific example, being able to show them a clip in class or assigning a movie outside of class gives them um, a real example to look at and help them learn the different concepts. Um, and then it also teaches them that, you know, as you're learning about psychology, you can go out in the real world and start applying what you're learning to um, these films that you're watching. And so it's kind of this lifelong learning aspect of take what you're learning in the classroom and bring it to the real world with you. And as you're watching films, apply these concepts to it. Yeah, it's kind of like what we just said, uh, why we we like film, right? We want other people to like film and look at the films through little psychology goggles like we do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. OK, exactly. that's that's awesome. Um, so. I, I know we're going to be talking about Mean Girls specifically today, but I'm sure that's not your only film. What other films do you like to use in your classes? Um, I almost do almost exclusively use Mean Girls as my example in um, okay. my social psych. I use a lot of other TV shows, um, so not okay. necessarily TV shows, film. Yeah. Um, but I've started with intro and then now in social psychology, it's... Mean Girls really was so it makes this a very appropriate uh, movie for me to discuss <laughs> with you is that I use that one uh, because I find that students think it's very relatable and it has that humor aspect to it. And so then they remember it because it's also funny. Um, so that's I, I pretty much use Mean Girls the most out of all films and then a lot of TV shows. OK, that's fair. So with with respect to Mean Girls, and I think um, this will become uh, fairly clear as we go through it, because uh, I will be inserting um, clips from the the uh, the movie throughout our chat here. Uh, you know, our students are saying the same age. We're getting older uh, and the film itself is getting older. The film is 15 years old. 
And yet it has this uh, cultural long- longevity to it. And so even though you're you're uh, using a 15 year old film, which in I got to say, in 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 this uh, fast paced, uh, constant you know, media thrown at you and streaming and film and all its podcasts and this one included all over the place. It's like hard to consume it all. So 15 years is a long time. Do they still get the references? Yeah, I've been surprised because I thought I was going to have to start uh, finding more recent films that students have seen, but they have all seen it. When I ask students, have you seen this movie before I first start talking about it? Almost every student raises their hand and tells me they've seen it and they get the references. So it's managed to stay very relevant. It has. I'm I'm very surprised. And I wonder if it's I just thought uh, uh, last week, um, you know, preparing for our chat and about how the memes about it are um, ex- like, again, uh, have this cultural longevity to it. And especially for things like, you know, what's your perfect date? April 25th. Not too hot, not too cold. Um, All you need is a light jacket. Uh, And October 3rd, he turned around and he asked me what date it was. It's October 3rd. Like, yeah, those two. I even see my students like referencing those two dates with respect to those two movies. Like and those two dates obviously happen every year. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. and the, uh, you know, she doesn't even go here. I mean, we could just, anything that Damien says, honestly, uh, it just seems to last. And I wonder if it's going to be one of those films like 30 years from now, even so, you know, a 45 year old film, people are still going to be talking about it. Uh, so I think, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and I think part of the reason is it's so it's such a simple um basic movie i guess that it's students don't feel like there has to be a lot of like psychoanalysis going on or anything and they can just see very clearly what's going on in terms of psychology when they're watching the movie i think that's why my students really uh enjoy those references yeah and little do they know there's so much psych behind it right before yeah. you're like why are you gonna why well i i appreciate it um, Doc, that we are going to be watching this awesome film in class, but honestly, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the point. Okay, yeah. so, all right. Very cool. So, Olivia, uh, you have decided that we should discuss Mean Girls, as we've been discussing uh, for the past uh, several minutes now. And before we get into the psych of it, I just wanted to get um, a little bit more about the reasoning behind why it's so, uh, we'll, we'll say, endemic to your uh, psychology classes. Yeah, um, it is one of my favorite movies, and it has been since I first saw it years ago. And so it kind of became that classic go-to film for me. And then when I started teaching and I realized that I could bring in one of my favorite movies into the classroom and teach about it that I, it made me love it even more. Um, and so I was really excited to have this opportunity to be able to talk about Mean Girls, one of my favorite movies in the context of Psych, my biggest passion. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's uh, all the worlds are colliding. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Um, I would, so I wanted to give you the opportunity to guide this conversation. I think what you found was quite a bit more than what I've found um, coming in with, you know, social psychologist goggles on and uh, your research background and all of that, I think, um, gives you a great amount of authority to discuss and your notes really show that uh, different aspects of the film and different psych uh, techniques I pretty much only focused on. <laughs> I pretty much only found one. So I'll talk about my one in a little bit, but I wanted to go ahead and give the floor to you on, I think what is the, uh, and, and after reading your notes, what I think is the, the biggest psych concept that is present in this film. And so what is that? Uh, yeah. Conformity. Yeah. Conformity. Um, yeah. Which is, is, Changing one's behavior, your own behavior, because of the presence of other people, whether it be they're directly there in front of you or it's just kind of the knowledge about other people is going to change your behavior. Yeah, right. Um, so in Mean Girls specifically, there are a lot of really specific examples, but kind of broadly throughout the film, we see Katie's transformation into becoming plastic. Um, so she comes in not really knowing anything about. Um, high school in this type of setting and so once she becomes friends with the plastic so uh karen regina and uh gretchen we see this change in her behavior where she's trying to fit what they're doing um so just at the very beginning of the movie you already see when they say on wednesdays we wear pink that she asks damien do you have a pink shirt i can wear because right away even before she's really become friends with them uh, she starts conforming to their kind of standards. They have their dress code that you only wear jeans or sweatpants on Friday. And so... Oh, and we only wear jeans or track pants on Fridays. Now, if you break any of these rules, you can't sit with us at lunch. Well, I mean, not just you, like any of us. Okay, okay. They tell her that from the very beginning, and she changes her behavior, starts following that dress code um, right away. Oh, and we always vote before we ask someone to eat lunch with us, because you have to be considerate of the rest of the group. Well, I mean, you wouldn't buy a skirt without asking your friends first if it looks good on you. I wouldn't. Right. Oh, and it's the same with guys. Like, Yeah, and um, I think uh, part of that is in the other side of the plot, which is Janice Ian's um, uh, plot to undo Regina's hold on the school and and her just uh i don't know well i guess we'll call it hatred um there's there's some conformity there too because janice is like the puppet master almost and katie is following her commands to infiltrate the plastics and then katie likes being plastic and later in the film, Katie becomes the leader of the plastics for a short amount of time. Uh, so poor Katie's being pulled in two different directions and she's trying to fit into both groups. And I, it's I, it, I think it's hard for high schoolers to fit into more than one group. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and especially because Katie comes in without that prior knowledge of really how to act or fit in in high school and one of the reasons people conform is not just social approval but for these informational reasons you don't really know what to do so you look to other people for how to act so she has kind of 
both ends here of the information, not knowing what to do and wanting this social approval, wanting to fit in. So she's really, yeah, just being pulled in all these different directions, trying to figure out how to behave so that she can fit in and make friends in high school. Yeah, it's uh, it's and if we want to take it back to one of the more seminal studies in psychology, we can we can talk about the ash uh, line experiment where, you know, it was told to the participants that, hey, you're going to do a visual perception, but there's these, f- you know, four or five other people and they're choosing the wrong line out of the set of three and it gets to the participant and the participant's like, what are you all looking at? <laughs> uh, it's clearly the right answer, but then after a few trials, they're like, oh wait a minute i'm gonna conform oh yeah no it's it's and and you can see that in the in the uh recreation from that so the the original study was in the 1940s um but the recreation that was done in the 1970s and it's clearly the 1970s there's videos on youtube about it um you can see that the participants like uh looking to his left at the other people like what are they looking at but i guess maybe they're right i guess they're right okay maybe they're right and it's it's essentially what 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 katie has to do um at the beginning of the film to be uh, liked by anybody mm-hmm. yeah and you do see that kind of hesitation there uh, in the movie, specifically in that scene where they're all body shaming, they're in front of the mirror at Regina's house, pointing out all the things that are wrong with them, and she's kind of just looking at them like, God, my hips are huge. Oh, please, I hate my calves. At least you guys can wear halters. I've got man shoulders. I used to think there was just fat and skinny. Apparently, there's a lot of things that can be wrong on your body. My hairline is so weird. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Kind of uncertain about it, and then she's just I have really bad breath in the morning. And so you can kind of see that hesitation there, uh, not really knowing, like, am I supposed to be doing this or not? And then conforming and going along with it. Yeah. And <laughs> she's so confused that, um, you know, the the three other three other girls are saying, you know, actual physical things with their bodies. And she comes out with something that's really not I mean, it's physical, but it, it's almost not a visual thing. Right. It's has to yeah. do with bad breath. And really, the only thing that's going to be wrong about that is going up to somebody and breathing in their face and so she's super confused about it yeah uh that is a great scene especially minutes prior and amy poehler yeah very cool so olivia what other aspects of conformity uh did you catch in the film yeah so it's not just katie who is conforming to regina or even just um Gretchen and Karen, the other plastics conforming, you see kind of widespread in the school that everybody wants to be like the plastics. So that scene where they're trying to sabotage uh, Regina, where she's in gym and they cut the um, the ends of her shirt off and they think that that's going to be really embarrassing for her. She walks in the hallway and then it cuts to the next scene. Everybody in the school has their shirt like that as well. Yeah. Um, and so all those other people see that they're conforming to her behavior. They want to be like her. Yeah, is some of the really quick um, the I, I want to say the the quick writing style of Tina Fey really comes through in this one uh, because 
yeah, cutting the cutting the the holes in the the breast part of the shirt, you would think that would be the end of Regina's life. And yet, because everybody just worships Regina, they all destroy their shirts. <laughs> yes, which leads to another kind of related to this idea of conformity. Here is obedience, where everybody sees Regina as this kind of authority figure, somebody that they look up to and strongly respect, and so. Everybody kind of wants to follow what, not just watching her behaviors, but they do what she tells them to do. They're going to conform in that way. Um, so we see right at the beginning, before they're really friends, uh, Regina tells Katie, get in, loser, we're going shopping. And she's just, okay, <laughs> goes along with it. Um, or we see Regina kind of bossing around Gretchen, telling her to switch sides. And Regina's kind of, er Gretchen, switch sides with Katie. But I'm always on your left. Well, that was when there were three of us, and now the tallest go in the middle. The whole dance will be backwards. I'm always on your left. And right now you're getting on my last nerve. Gretchen is kind of hesitant at first, but she does it um, just because she is that kind of authority figure, and so she wants to obey and conform to what Regina is telling her to do. Because she doesn't want to lose the social status of being, like, Regina's best friend. And then you get the the several scenes. But I think one of the more famous ones is the four way phone call. Yes. Uh, but it's unclear that they're all listening at the time. I, I have to explain to my students that, you know, we used to have to talk to people like that. <laughs> Three way calling was a thing that um, didn't exist for some period of time. And then it randomly exploded and then everybody did it. And then, um, you know, you could hang on the line and uh, they're they're like, hmm, no, thanks. I'll prefer I prefer my Snapchat. I appreciate yeah, that, exactly. though. Um, but where, you know, Gretchen is talking to Katie, Gretchen calls um, uh, Regina, Regina calls Karen, Karen then talks to Gretchen and it's super confusing, but um, yeah, Regina basically destroys all of them except for Katie because she doesn't know that Katie's anywhere on those lines. One of the things that I uh, I, ca I caught in the film and one of the things that I use Mean Girls specifically in uh, when I teach social psychology, which is every so often, every other year or something like that, I, I use Mean Girls specifically to discuss, you know, the distinctions between forms of aggression. Um, many people are familiar with physical forms of aggression, you know, being physically violent or verbally violent, uh, much less so the relational aspect of aggression where uh, which which girls and women are disproport disproportionately um, users of it's it, this relational aggression is apparent throughout the entire film uh the burn book oh my god i remember this Ugh, i haven't looked at that in forever here check it out katie it's our burn book so we cut out girls pictures from the yearbook and then we wrote comments trang pack is a grotsky little biatch still true don schweitzer is a fat virgin still half true <laughs> amber d'alessio she made out with a hot dog Janice Ian Dyke. 
um, I mean, the, the movie is called Mean Girls, right? And, and so this form of aggression is uh, primarily done by backstabbing, rumor spreading, uh, firm clicks like the plastics where membership is highly controlled and you we ha- you know we have the rules associated with those uh clicks and um you are essentially trying to hurt somebody with words right and you know regardless of whether those words hurt they're meant to hurt in addition to possible sticks and stones but you know sticks and stones may break my bones but yeah these words are gonna hurt too right but i think the biggest aspect and it's it's the macguffin in the film um is the burn book and janice needs to know what is in it about her and she just wants to take uh she just wants to take regina down and that trust exercise, uh, her, um, uh, we'll, we'll call it her monologue, her evil plots uh, reveal, um, explains everything to everyone. And that Katie is a double agent and trying to break everything. Oh, it's just one big relational aggression fest, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And you can see with that, the trust exercise at the end, that those words do really hurt. Every time somebody is apologizing and they're trying to reconcile these issues, it's all about things they said about each other. Um, It's not really anything that anybody really physically did to each other. It's just, you know, oh, I called you this name or I said this about you. And so you can see the impact that these harmful words can have. Yeah, I I would say that, um, you know, Hostile and violent aggression, notwithstanding, because it's, you know, it's infinitely more harmful. But, you know, relational aggression is really harmful uh, to people's self-esteem, to their body images, to their worth, their self-worth. Words are very harmful in how you use them. They're like daggers. It's almost as bad as physical aggression. I don't want to go to that level, but it's almost as bad and sometimes can be worse if it's life ruining. You know, if it's if we're talking about adults doing it to uh, destroy or harm somebody without actually touching them. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and, um, you know, related to your to your uh, your research, uh, you're you're trying to assist prison populations, right? Yes. And so uh, a lot of this is done uh, and has been done to these individuals. And I just thought that was interesting when I read when I read your 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 little research book. I'm like, oh, my gosh, no wonder she loves this movie so much. (laughs) (laughs) It sort of dictated, dictated everything about your psychological life. Yeah. And that's something like when doing our work with criminal offenders who are incarcerated, we've we're trying to um, boost kind of those positive feelings. We've done some self-affirmation with them. And we've had to keep in mind, knowing that these people do have a lot of 
aggression that they've experienced in their life and that this can lead to anger and sadness and things like that. And something we're having to be conscious of um, when developing our interventions to work with that population. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, Considering the news that just um, came out of Oklahoma and the women that were released uh, for (laughs) nonviolent drug offenses uh, because they uh, changed possession to a misdemeanor and not a felony. So they got released. And I think, um, you know, dealing with the life inside uh, prison and getting the life skills necessary to be um, to do well uh, back in um, real life. I'll say I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the word that I want, but uh, to, to have the skills to move forward and get away from all of that is, is, is a, a good idea. We need to be doing that more. Yeah, uh, definitely. The, the issue there of that re-entry and being able to successfully navigate the world outside of prison. Yeah. Uh, which leads me to my uh, next query about the film. Okay. Uh, um, so this one's for you, Olivia. Uh, Katie's being pulled in two different directions. Plastics in one direction. Actually, I'll say three different directions. I forgot about the third one until until I just said it. So three different directions. We've got the plastics. We've got Janice and Damien, who are, you know, we'll, we'll say the outcasts of the high school. And Miss Norbury, uh, who wants Katie to join the mathletes. The limit does not exist. So what is going on in Katie's mind while all of this is going uh, while all of this is going down the progression of the film? What 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 could we say about the the we'll just say turmoil in, in Katie's mind? Yeah, so Katie's experiencing what we call cognitive dissonance. Um, so. When somebody has these kind of conflicting or inconsistent thoughts, feelings, behaviors, it can um, create this kind of threat to your self-esteem or self-worth and have this kind of psychological discomfort associated with it. And so Katie throughout the movie just has this conflict that she's having to deal with wanting to um, please what Janice wants her to do and infiltrate the plastics, wanting Regina to like her and Great point. I hadn't really thought about that of, you know, Miss Norberry and kind of what her parents want her to stay that um, that quote, good girl who really cares about her schoolwork and things like that. And so she's just being pulled in all these different directions, behaving in all these different inconsistent ways. And so that's going to create this type of psychological discomfort for her. Yeah. And uh, the. The it's it's not pleasant for her, right? She's she's doesn't know which Katie to be. Yeah. And so when people experience this psychological discomfort, this kind of cognitive dissonance, um, they have to try to deal with it in some way. You can't just ignore it. And so the way we see Katie do that in Mean Girls is through this external justification. Um, So it's 
basically explaining or giving a reason for why you're behaving in this conflicting way that's outside of the self. So she's specifically using the excuse of plastic sabotage where, oh, I'm, I'm hanging out with Regina here. It's not even though she's kind of mean and um, isn't necessarily a good friend to me. I'm still going to hang out with her. And that's because it's for plastic sabotage. Uh, and so she uses that as a way to kind of feel better about why she's doing something that isn't consistent with what other people want her to be doing or what she personally thinks she should be doing. And in the end, right, she uh, ends up joining them athletes uh, to be what Miss Norbury and her parents want her to be. Uh, which is, I guess, in direct defiance of both the plastics and Janice, right? She's just like, I, yeah. I ruined both. Mm-hmm. And so this is my this is my last fallback. Yeah, and I think that joining the athletes is is truer to who she really is. And so that's reducing that cognitive dissonance. She's changing her actual behavior where she's no longer just trying to appease Janice and trying to get Regina's approval. Um, now she's changing her behavior to do what she really thinks deep down she wants to do or she should be doing. And that's going to be a way to get rid of those conflicting feelings that she has. And uh, I have a I have a, a semi related question to you. Have you seen the sequel? Mean Girls 2? I have not. Yeah. OK. Me, neither have I. I think it was direct okay. to video, uh, but it has to do with uh, young uh, younger sisters, I think. Pretty sure. If I'm wrong, I don't really care um, <laughs> because I think it was universally uh, uh, hated. Um, but I think that it, it it's trying to be a continuation of this struggle that Katie had. But of course, that's. It's fixed at the end of the film. Katie realizes who she wants to be. Her attitudes are now in line with her behavior. Uh, There's not much left to do, right? Yeah, I would agree with that, that it's everything is resolved. It ends nicely where she's no longer feeling conflicting. And we see the plastics kind of find their groups to fit in where they don't have to behave in such a mean way. Um, And so, yeah, I. I don't really see there being a need for Mean Girls too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think it was written by Tina Fey. I'll tell you that. Um, but but yeah, it's just, it's a nice little bow uh, on the end of the film. Uh, so you know, it's uh, it's a parable. Yeah. About how not to act in high school, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Um. And. But. Being in 2004 and steeped within that time period, I think it uh, it fits well, but it's also a vehicle for what other um, major psychological concept, Olivia? Uh, yeah, so we see stereotyping throughout this movie um, starts off right away um, with that stereotype of homeschooled kids are freaks is what Katie says. Regina, stop! Do you know what everyone says about you? They say that you're a homeschooled jungle freak who's a less hot version of me. Yeah, 
So don't try to act so innocent. You can take that fake apology and shove it right up. Cuts to them and it shows kind of like stereotypical, like a really smart student in a spelling bee and then a, a student who's um, talking about guns. And so that's kind of like alluding to this fact that we have these certain stereotypes, these generalizations that we attribute to all homeschooled kids, even though that's not true. Yeah, uh, the <laughs> homeschooled, the homeschooled, I don't think it would play very well. I uh, It's probably one of the more, um, I want to say, uh, most insensitive jokes in the yeah. whole film. And it occurs in like the first several minutes. Yeah. Uh, especially the the family of... <laughs> Uh, re super religious kids. Oh, yeah. I watched that again. I was like, oh boy. I, oh boy. I, know. <laughs> I was hesitant to, hesitant to even mention stereotypes because that I think that's the most offensive part of the, the movie. Um, and like, they're not, I mean, they're up. not even actual main characters. They're just, it's yeah. just a bit. It's just a bit. But yeah. 15 years later, oh boy. We can't be making those jokes. Uh, we can't be making yeah. those jokes. Um, yeah. But I think, but I think I'm I'm glad you you kept with the stereotypes because I think it's really worth it. I think it's really worth it because high school I think is where we learn all of these stereotypes, yeah. right? These cultural ideas about who's who and who what's what and all of these things. Uh, we, I think high school is like the proving ground for uh, stereotypes. So. It's important that we we still have we still have this discussion because there are stereotypes in the film. Yeah, and we see that when they are um, talking about the different tables where everybody sits, so the jocks sit somewhere, or the the burnouts as they're referred to, and they kind of flash around to all the different tables, and you can see the people behaving kind of in a way that you would you would associate with that stereotype. Like the jocks are kind of like wrestling each other a little bit like on the table and um so it's a great example of these there are so many different groups in high schools and how they all have these kind of stereotypical images associated with them yeah and uh they they they're so they're all behaving in the way that they are uh, or are portrayed to be um stereotypical and then they also are dressed and yes. appear to be um, in that uh, stereotype space, too, um, which is a nice little visual cue because, yeah, I, I forget who is it. Is it Regina or Gretchen who's describing all of them as they go around the, the lunchroom? Um, I think it's actually Janice. She's... Oh, it's Janice. OK. Yeah. Um, they do a little bit in. Uh, when Katie is first meeting the the plastics, but if, yeah. yeah, okay, but Janice describing, yeah, that makes sense. It's also yeah. seen through the eyes of Janice, yeah, but, which I think is important, um, because she's kind of portrayed as somebody who hates everything, yeah, right. She's going through her emo slash goth phase again. Stereotypes, yes, but you know, my chemical romance is getting back together, so everybody's yeah. super happy about that. <laughs> Yes, exciting news. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Janice Ian would be pleased. Yes. Um, 
but there's a, the also the the social implications of Katie's trying to fit in with all of these different groups, right? And and it's explained to her uh, how. Yeah, so they tell her, so in terms of um, joining the mathletes, multiple characters, uh, Damien and Regina both tell her, you can't do that, it's social suicide. And so it's kind of has this implication there of you're not going to be cool. <laughs> you're going to be lower on that social ladder there. Um in the school if you join the mathletes. Yeah, and uh and be associated with Kevin. Yes. Oh god, Kevin. Um but it, it, and in hindsight for me specifically uh who is who's always been a, a geeky kid uh and a nerdy kid, that I mean it, if that was the line that is drawn in the sand uh then i had social suicide when i was in like i don't know uh second grade <laughs> because i mean if that's if that's how we're drawing if, yeah. that, if that's how we're drawing our social status then i was always on the bottom but i'm not you know people shouldn't feel sorry for me that's fine i'm here <laughs> i'm doing great um, so, you know, like, don't feel sorry for me because we shouldn't actually buy into that argument that just joining the mathletes is social suicide. Why right? people should yeah. be who they want to be and who they should be and who they feel like is necessary to be. Um, and we shouldn't tell them that they're any less of a person who belongs because they want to do that. Yeah, exactly. But Kevin is kind of the worst. Yeah, he he is. <laughs> uh, and so the the other one, and I I wanted to save this to the very end because bless her heart. What's wrong with Karen? <laughs> yeah. So when she first meets Katie, and Katie says she's just moved here from Africa. She says, "If you're from Africa, why are you white?" So she oh, has goodness. this stereotype that. If you're from Africa, you can only look a certain way that you can't be white if you're from Africa. <laughs> I, I just I rewatched that and I totally had I had forgotten about it. I had forgotten about it. Um, I mean, I knew Karen was dumb uh, <laughs> and played brilliantly by. Um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on her name now. Um, help me. Amanda Seyfried or... Yeah, Amanda Seyfried. There we go. Seyfried. Thank you. Um, played brilliantly. Just like the almost... It's perfect. It really is. How, <laughs> how good it is. It's perfect how yes. good it is. Um, that I, I just... I was... I had forgotten about that and I was completely floored by it. I What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I uh, think that's one of those classic lines that's kind of become a meme that has helped this movie live on is that specific line there. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think you're right about that. And that's how Regina George died. No, I'm totally kidding. But she did get hurt. Some girls say they saw her head go all the way around, but that's just a rumor. Some people swear they saw me push her in front of the bus. That was an even worse rumor. I mean, what? 
what happened to Lindsay Lohan? She was doing yeah. so great. She was fantastic in the movie. Yeah, I, it just went all downhill, I think, pretty quickly after that Yeah, film. I think, yeah. Uh, she did, like, Herbie, maybe, afterward. Yeah. Herbie fully loaded. Yeah, poor thing. Um, other bit of trivia, uh, and I'm making this completely up, uh, Amy Adams was... Uh, not Amy Adams. Rachel McAdams <laughs> was actually hit by the bus. What? No, it's completely false. And Katie actually pushed her. <laughs> uh, yes. And uh, <laughs> yes, Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan hated her, her yeah. so much, actually pushed her. And Amanda Seyfried is, or Seyfried, uh, I don't know, um, is actually that dumb. That would be shocking if she has gotten this far in her career. Yeah, no, uh, all of that trivia was completely made up because who needs trivia when you have memes? You go, Clen Coco. Yes. <laughs> uh, what are your favorite lines? Um, the it's October 3rd is even though it's just so basic when it is October 3rd. I am so happy. I actually had a student who came up to me after class. I had social psych on October 3rd and said, yes. I tried to come to the classroom early to write it's October 3rd on the board for you, but the classroom was <laughs> locked. So oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> I know. You know, um, we did um, miss out on a perfect opportunity to record this episode on October 3rd. Yeah. We could say that we did record it on October 3rd, but I think that would be a bit disingenuous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 that is a uh, great missed we, opportunity. Yeah, um, and I didn't really want to put it off all the way to April 25th, honestly. <laughs> um, a bit of trivia, my cousin's birthday is on April 25th. It's the perfect date. Yes, that's awesome. Uh, my son was born two days prior to the perfect date, so we can say that it was perfect-ish. Yeah, close enough. He's got the perfect-ish date. Maybe it's a little too cold. I don't know. <laughs> You know, it's a bit of it's it's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a it's just such a fun movie. It really is such a fun movie. And um, uh, all of the memes can just live on forever for all I care. Yeah. Uh, because they're they're fantastic. There should be. Um, I saw I was I was watching this, the uh, the scene last week of Tina Fey um, right after the burn book and, and they cut to the mall and uh, Tina Fey as Miss Norbury was uh, saying that she was taking her boyfriend out and she points over to like a homeless looking guy yeah. shopping no no I'm just here with my boyfriend joking sometimes older people make jokes my Nana takes her wig off when she's drunk your Nana and I have that in common. No, uh, actually, I'm just here because I bartend a couple nights a week down at PJ Calamities. <laughs> Katie, I hope you do join Mathletes, you know, because uh, we start in a couple weeks, and I would love to have a girl on the team, just, you know, so the team could meet a girl. I think I'm going to do it. Great. You can't join Mathletes. It's social suicide. Thanks, Damien. <laughs> well, this has been sufficiently awkward, and I will see you guys tomorrow. 
<laughs> that needs to be that that needs to be a meme honestly that is a great um, scene <laughs> right <laughs> and i love the seeing teachers outside of school is like watching a dog or seeing a dog walk on its hind legs because i think students kind of do feel that way even as professors even like even though we all, they see us a lot for multiple classes that when they see us in public it's like oh my gosh they're a person. <laughs> yeah, I went to to homecoming um, recently. I went to the homecoming festivities before the game. And uh, I, I just think people don't really know how to talk to me outside <laughs> of class or outside of like, I am professor. You are student, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And she really hits the nail on the head. A dog walking on hind legs. Yes. It is strange. I don't want any part of it. Uh, and please, please leave. You're making this more awkward. You're making this worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Olivia, I want to thank you for joining me to discuss Mean Girls. Um, while you were uh, saying goodbye, uh, is there anything that you'd like to share um, where folks can find out more about your work? Go ahead and plug away. I actually don't have anything to plug. I'm still in the process <laughs> of creating my Squarespace website. Uh, and I don't think the faculty, they've even had my faculty website up yet uh, since Bummer. I literally just started a few months ago. Um, so I unfortunately don't have anything to plug. So if you're getting your Squarespace up, do you have a URL for it? Um, it should be, I think it's just like the regular squarespace.com slash Olivia dash Aspiris. Okay, I think that's worth it because, um, you know, if it's not up right now, maybe if yeah. somebody listens to this later and is like, I really like this Olivia person, I want to know more about her and her work, then your site might be up. Yes, it should be. It's pretty much together. It's just at this point, the proofreading and excellent. Sure everything is perfect before I have it up there. So. Well, I really appreciate um, you coming uh, you coming by and chatting with with me about Mean Girls. I think we share our love of this film. And I think I'm going to incorporate it quite a bit more into what I can. Uh, the next time I teach, definitely the next time I teach um, social psych, I'm, it might actually be the film that I choose and not 12 Angry Men. Although 12 Angry Men is pretty good, but... It might be the one. And I think my students might appreciate it a little bit more. Might appreciate me a little bit more. Because um, as I, um, I'm sure they they do when they hear that you're you're going to be talking about Mean Girls. Um, hey, listener, uh, please share and subscribe the, to the podcast. Uh, thank you to all the people who are sharing on social media. I can't see all the shares, but I know they're happening. And so if you do have uh, a little bit of uh, extra bit of help in you, uh, if you could take a look at our Patreon or our PayPal and um, spare some change to keep the podcast going, we would definitely love that. Uh, Olivia, it is great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Um, definitely keep us uh, apprised of how that website's going and please share your work. 
Until the next episode, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.